Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And at this time, I ask you to get out your Crosswalk notes. And we will continue with our message series, King David, Zero to Hero. And today we're going to look at uh, the way that King David served and, and the servant's heart that he had. Now, as we look at this message and this message series, this idea of zero to hero, uh, that David went as a shepherd boy to be the, the king of Israel. I guess today the, the way that we would look at this is that it would be like uh, a young boy from South Phoenix, uh, a nobody, someone that no one knew, would one day become the president of the United States. And when that happens, when someone who is a relative nobody, who, who doesn't come from an affluent family or anything like that, uh, makes the path all the way from the bottom to the top, there's something about that story that draws us in, and it's a story that we want to hear. And maybe it's because we think in our own lives, how is it that I can uh, do that? What, maybe it gives me hope. And so you listen to a story, and, and maybe this young man or woman would say that it all started when they were a freshman in high school, and they decided that they wanted to be a class officer. So uh, they, they tried running for the class office, and uh, they became the secretary of their class freshman year. And as they, they went through that year and they saw the different things being done, they realized, you know what, I could do as good a job as the president of our class is doing. Uh, maybe next year I'm going to, to run uh, to be the president of our class. And, and so they run to, to be the president of their sophomore class, and they lose But what they learned during that that time and during that loss is is that it's important to have a campaign and what they need to do to engender the trust of of their people. And so what happens by senior years, they become student body president. And then after that, who knows what the story might be. It might be going into the military. It might be going into college or or into law. It, it, It could be one of many different paths, but each one of those paths led them slowly to to where they gained knowledge until they were able to to finally get to the top. And and so we look at those stories, and and we applaud those stories. And maybe the reason why, maybe the reason why we look at them, as I said, is because it makes us think that for our life and our situation, that there's hope, that there's hope for me, because this is where I come from, or, or this person was in the same situation as me, that if they can do it, I can do it. But maybe as you're, you're getting older like me, you realize you're not going to do it, that, that those days are, 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 are going past. And so instead of looking at it for myself, I look at it for my children, And I think, you know what, if I give my children these opportunities and if I give them the education they need and if I give them the opportunities, they they can excel and they can grow and who knows, the sky is the limit of of what they could do or or what they could be. How about it, do you still have that kind of hope that you can make a difference in the world? 
that, that maybe you can make a positive change, that, that you can help the world and, and make it a better place after you leave than when you got here? Well, today, as we look at this, it's interesting because this idea of going from zero to hero is one that the disciples had when they spoke with Jesus. What happened is they went about it in kind of the wrong way. They were actually having an argument, and they were having an argument over which one of them was the greatest disciple, which one of them, if anything ever happened to Jesus, God forbid, uh, which one of us would take his place. And so they were having this, this argument about who was greatest, who would sit at his right, and who would sit at his left, and, and Jesus overheard them. And, and he asked them, what, what were you talking about on the road? And what's interesting is, is they kind of got quiet because they were embarrassed because it was a stupid argument, and, and it's one that they should have been ashamed of. But one thing I find very interesting is Jesus never reprimanded them for wanting to be great in the kingdom of God. Never. He never said that that's something you should not aspire to do and, and something that you shouldn't aspire to be. But rather, what he was critical of them about was the way that they went about it. In Matthew 20, 25, this is what it says. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And so what he's telling them is, you understand leadership from what you've seen, and you've seen it in the Roman government, and, and you've seen it in, in the world in which you live. The problem is, is what you guys want to be is the boss. And, and when you want to be the boss, you like being the boss because being the boss means you get to tell other people what to do. And that is why, I, while Jeff is on vacation, I want to overthrow him, and I am no longer going to be the discipleship pastor, but at least for today, I am the lead pastor at Crosswalk, which means I make all the decisions and you have to do what I say. That was, that was their idea of, of greatness, that you were the boss, everyone had to listen to you. But then Jesus goes on to say, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, so just as Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Today we're going to talk about service, and we're going to be talking about David in a little bit, but it's impossible to talk about David's service without talking about Jesus' service first. When Jesus came into this world, true God coming into human flesh, we know he, he was born in Bethlehem. We know the way he lived in humility. And it was different. It was different than the way that we look at leadership and being in charge and greatness because we look at Jesus and, and he lived in relative obscurity. But yet he came to serve and he did serve both in the miracles that he performed, in the, in the teachings that he shared with others, in the time that he spent with others. But his ultimate service came in his death on the cross, the payment he made for our sins. Jesus came to serve 
And as we follow him, as we follow the one who is the hero, that as we look at going from zero to hero, we're talking about now the hero, Jesus, the one who came to save us from sin and death, that we need to understand, and this is what he's saying, that the path to greatness in his kingdom, the path that he wants us to walk to greatness is through service. And that is why this is such an important lesson as we look at what Christ has done for us that we would follow in these footsteps of service. So we begin it and we go to 1 Samuel 16 now and, and we're going to be talking about service and what's going to happen is there's going to be a number of different perspectives we look at today. One of them is going to be of the king, the one who is the hero already, uh, King Saul, and, and see his view of service. Then we're going to look at David's view of service and, and what he did. Then we're going to take another one, and that's Jesse, David's father, and, and how he saw service. And then finally, we're going to look at, at what this all means for us and, and for our lives as we serve the Lord as well. So we start with 1 Samuel 16, beginning with the 14th verse. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Saul was the king and a number of things had happened by this time. And the, the biggest one is that the Lord had left Saul because Saul had left the Lord. He did not understand service. He did not understand what it was to be the king. He thought by his position as king that he was the boss, that he was the boss not only of all the people in Israel, but he was the boss even over the Lord, that, that he would consider what the Lord had to say, and, and if he liked it, he would follow it, and if he didn't like it, he would do whatever he wanted. And, and finally, it had gotten to the point, because of that arrogance and because of his desire to, to serve only himself, that, that the Lord said, you know what, Saul, you're going to keep pushing me away and keep pushing me away, that I'm going to give you what you want. I am going to leave you and, and let you run your kingdom however you want to. And then what happens is, is it's not only in Saul's life, but it's in everyone's life, our lives as well. That if we in our spiritual lives are pushing God away and, 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 and he, saying, God, get away from us, that, that there is a vacuum inside of us, a spiritual vacuum that will always be filled by something that is not God. And specifically here, it says an evil spirit from God came to torment him. Now, we don't know exactly what this means. Uh, we, we don't know if this is some type of a, of a demon came or or, or whether it's something that's much more practical. And, and, and maybe it was simply the result of what it's like when you're king and you're arrogant and you no longer have the Lord to turn to for help and guidance in your life, that what Saul had was the result. And that was wondering who's trying to take the throne. 
Saul now asking the question, how am I going to keep my hands on this kingdom? Saul wondering, you know what, that with all these people loosely associated, it's, it's like a house of cards that, that seems like it's going to come falling down at, at any moment. And so as a result of that, Saul was tormented with anxiety, depression, paranoia, as he looked around at, at who might be the one who wants to take his throne. Fear, depression, all of those things. All of those things because the spirit of the Lord had left him, because he had left the Lord first. And so in the blank you can write, when King Saul lost humility, he lost God's spirit. When King Saul lost humility, he lost God's spirit. As we look at this, this is, this is so important for you to look at in your lives. And the reason why is because when we read about the things that went on with Saul and his doubts and his paranoia and his anxiety and his fear and his depression, let, let's face it, Saul could have lived in 2015. And, and as we look at that, and as we look at the struggles that we have with these things, I have to believe that you are like me and that these issues become issues for you as well. That's what happens when I, as a pastor, am concerned about my job as pastor and and my rights as the discipleship pastor and and the influence I want to have and how I'm going to work to control Crosswalk and make it be what I want it to be. I'm telling you, that is a recipe for destruction because Crosswalk is not my church. Crosswalk is God's church. And, And I have to understand my role at Crosswalk, and not just at Crosswalk, but also in my family, and also in this world. I am a servant of God. I am definitely not the boss, and definitely not God. And as we look at that in in our lives, I think that's an important place for us to start as well, is with that humility. I am willing to maintain that to the extent that, that you do not have humility, to that same extent you will experience anxiety and and depression and fear and doubts about the future. This was a call from the Lord. This torment was a call from, from the Lord to Saul to turn to him. Saul, what should you do? Maybe, maybe the leaders should have said, Saul, maybe you should turn to the Lord in repentance and ask him to forgiveness because I'm sure he will. Or we could just get someone to play the lute or the lyre. Or, or play a musical instrument. I got an idea. Let's self-medicate, Saul. And that's what his leaders told him to do. We go to the next part. Even though they told him to get someone to play music for him, because that's probably the only thing he would listen to, notice at the core, I think they knew it was a spiritual problem that Saul had. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. And the Lord is with him. And the Lord is with him. You know what Saul needs? Saul needs individuals who have the Lord with him near him. The Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. 
So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his servant. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Just so we're perfectly clear, for those of you who know David and kind of know the story, this is before David and Goliath. This is early, early, early in David's life. And, and, and so this is the starting point. This is the first time that David ha- ever had anything to do with the kingdom. And so his first job, the first job that he had in the palace was to play this lyre, to play the, this harp whenever Saul had this evil spirit come on him. And so in the blank you can write, We never want to underestimate the healing power that God has given us in music. We never want to underestimate the healing power that God has given us in music. Now we're going to be getting to service in just a moment, and David's service in particular. But I want to look at just this area that God has given us to serve in the area of music. And I'm guessing there are people here that the the type of music we listen to is very diverse. That there are those who listen to pop, hip-hop, R&B, rap, country, whatever, all different kinds of music. And when you listen to that music, there's a reason why you do. Uh, Yeah, this would be the joke, what happens when you play country music backwards, you get your dog back, your truck back, whatever. Anyways. So you can listen to that music. Come on. I love country music. Anyways, that, that you, you listen to certain types of music, and, and when you're feeling sad, that, that music helps. Uh, when you listen to rap music, and, and I listen to it, listen to my son listening to it, um, I'm going to have to go maybe, if I had to get him an emotion, a lot of times it's anger. That it, that's a frustration and, and a way to, to get that out. And so with music, there, there's usually some type of a, emotion tied to it, whether happy or sad or, or whatever it happens to be. That's what Saul was looking for with David. But that's not what David gave him. David gave him music attached with God's word which is something completely different and, and soothing in a completely different way. And now I just want to make it clear. I'm not being like critical. I'm not going down that road today of, of the different types of music and, and being critical of any different form or kind of music. But rather what I am saying is, is that as we look at this and, and what happens when you have the comfort of music and God's word together, something special happens through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the word in people's hearts. And, and in a way that I can't understand, but, but, but can only express, and in a way that I have to believe on some level you have experienced, you know what I'm talking about. These can be songs that are old. Amazing grace. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Why? Why is it that that song has endured? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was, was blind, and now I see. That, that goes over all different types of, of music. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and, and griefs to, to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Those are old ones, different ones. And so my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone. I should have Jonathan here, but I should do. This is known as the shower voice, okay? And this is what happens, and, and, and what happens, I also have, uh, so those are my songs when I need Jesus, my jam songs with, uh, when I'm feeling praise, God's Dance Floor, Chris Tomlin is like my favorite. Uh, one we sang today, All God's People Said Amen, that it's just, they, they get you going, right? There is a beauty to a connection of music and God's word that soothes the human heart in a way that is just different. And as we look at this, we need to understand that. We need to use it and to praise God for it. Now, as we go from there with the music, we know that was the medium through which David worked. And so what David did is he wrote songs. And the songs, uh, in the Bible, the word song is sometimes translated psalm. And so some of the content of this, of what David wrote in these songs, maybe he did the greatest hits that Saul knew, and maybe he threw some new ones in there that he didn't. But this is one that he wrote, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those words have ushered millions, tens of millions of people into God's court of heaven as they go through death. I have never done a funeral where I have not read these words. And especially, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That we look at that through the darkest valley that we walk. And and let's face it, the darkest valley, we have many dark valleys in our lives, and the Lord is with us through every one of them. But the darkest valley that we look at, the the most scary valley is the valley of, of death. And we know that the Lord walks through it with us, and he brings us on the other side to heaven. We know that he has one salvation for us. This is the content of what David was writing, for goodness sakes, a shepherd boy, writing about what he knew. And he knew about shepherding, and he knew about his God. And he wrote these words down. On the next page, you can write, David's greater legacy was not as a king, was not as a king, but pointing people to Jesus as a musician and a songwriter. I want you to think about that for a minute. This is called zero to hero, and kind of the idea is that David went from a no one to being a king. But David's impact as a songwriter 
and as a musician so far outweighs his contribution as a king, which was very important. And ultimately, he would also be an ancestor of Christ, which is a great gift from God. But what he did for, for the children of Israel as their king, but as, and it was his hobby. Let's face it, David's hobby is where he made the, the greatest contribution. And so what he gave them is if you read through the Psalms, the Psalms, even though it is a songbook, so it's a hymnal, really is what it is. The, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms was also the people's doctrine book. I wrote down just a few of the Psalms that, that David wrote, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Psalm 51, about sin and confession, confessing your sins to God, this is what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's David being real with God. And, and as you study these words, it tells us so much about David's heart, but it also tells us about sin in our own hearts. A couple verses later, same psalm, David writes, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. So quickly, David takes us from confession of sins to forgiveness. And as, as if that weren't enough, he continues a few verses later. The new life, what follows? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you want to know what Saul needed to hear, he needed to hear the music that David was singing from his heart that he had learned from his God about sin and forgiveness and living for him. We continue. Another psalm talking about uh, Psalm 16, talking about the resurrection of Jesus, looking ahead a thousand years when he says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you let your faithful one, your holy one, see decay. David was pointing the people to the Christ and the work that he would do and the resurrection that not only Christ would enjoy, but that they would enjoy as well. Confidence. You want a song about confidence? Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And later he goes on, words that are on the wall of my home. He says, be still and know that I am God. I'm gonna give you one more just because it's my favorite, Psalm 139. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. And I feel like I have to apologize to you because what I just did to you was I read to you musical lyrics. <laughs> and these are meant to be joined together and we don't know what it sounded like. 
We don't know it. As David grabbed his harp, as he grabbed his lyre and he played, what exactly it sounded like. But he was good at it, so good that of all the land, Saul chose him to come and serve. And, and so through that act of, of humility, as a zero, as someone, as he looked at it, whose service didn't seem to matter that much, God has brought so much comfort and joy and peace to our lives thousands of years later. We continue. And now we're looking specifically at David's service. And, and these are just a, a few of the verses we've all already read. It's, it says, 1 Samuel 16, beginning with verse 18, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. Okay, so he's got some ability there. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So now we're looking at David's work, right? So he's a shepherd. He, he plays the the harp, the lyre as well. And then David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. So now we have an, another job. David has these three jobs that, that he's gone through at a very young age. In the blank you can write, God used work to get David done. God used work to get David done. God was preparing David for future service in the palace. God was preparing David for future service in the palace. And I'm going to tell you, when, when, I, when I read these words, and when I wrote this, what I was specifically thinking was, David as an armor bearer was blessed to be there because it was preparing him to be a king. And what David would be able to do would, would be able to be in the king's presence to hear how things went, uh, how leaders led, uh, maybe things he would want to do, maybe other things that he wouldn't do, and David would, would gain understanding through that. And then the more and more that I, I've looked at this, the more I think I, dis, I disagree with my own thoughts. And I think David's greatest learning on being a king did not come in the palace, it came in the field. That, that David's shepherding heart, that what the, the people needed was not a professional king, they needed a shepherd who followed Christ, for goodness sakes. And, and that is the heart that David had, a heart that wanted to serve, a, a, a heart that wanted to nurture and build up and protect. And it was all of those things though, all of those things that, that David did in his life that led him on the path that God wanted him to go on and prepared him for the future. I hope you can see it in David's life, but more than that, and this is my prayer for today, that you can see it in your own. You have a unique past and a unique upbringing that has put you in a unique situation to serve. And I'm going to guess once, if you're not serving, you don't see it. But once you're in a position to serve, you can't miss it. I, I think of this specifically with myself. One of the, the, probably the greatest benefit and blessing I was ever given as, as a child was going to a Christian day school. And the reason why is I heard about Jesus every single day. I mean, it was, I know my Bible, and I've known my Bible ever since I was a, a child, and that helps me, I can't even begin to tell you how much that helps me when writing a message 
uh, when, when sharing the, the gospel and things like that. It, it's huge. So my training has helped me. But two other things when I look back that probably more than anything else that I look back to, one of them was I sold subscriptions to the Milwaukee Journal and Sentinel door to door for two years. And I was one of their top salespeople in the whole Milwaukee area. And all I would do is knock on people's doors. Hey, do you want to have 12 weeks of the Milwaukee Journal so I can go to a Packer game? That was my line. And, and I got to meet and talk to people and understand them. And it, and it just it prepared me later because when I first became a pastor, especially I'd talk to people about Jesus and I'd go door to door and just... I was used to it. People didn't scare me. I, I like people, and I, I like talking to them and hearing their story. All of these ways that God prepares you. So what's your preparation? What have you come through that has brought you to this point that has put you in a unique opportunity to serve? We continue. And now we go from David, we go to Jesse just for a moment. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Fill in the blank right away. David's service came at a great cost to Jesse, to his dad. So you have David, who's a very, very good shepherd. And, and he also, I don't know how he learned the whole music thing, if, if someone taught him or exactly how that worked, how he got started with music. But now you have this situation with, with Jesse where you have your best shepherd. And so what did Jesse lose? He lost this, I'm guessing he didn't get the donkey back. The donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and David... And then his thank you from Saul was not, here, have you know, a, a few cattle and things like that. I'm going to keep him if it's okay with you. And what do you think he's going to, I don't think the king was really asking. I think he was telling him. And so this great cost for what can happen for parents is when we look at our children and the way they serve, it can come great at great cost to us. You know what this is about, parents. Because I've seen the amount of time you've wasted, I don't want to say waste, spent, uh, at little league games, at sporting events, at school, wherever you're carting your children back and forth all of the time. But as we look at this in service to the Lord, I want you to think of your children in that way. You might be preparing them for the major leagues, but God is preparing them for his service. God is preparing them for his kingdom. And maybe as you look at this, you, you need to ask the question, what is it going to cost me to get them to crosswalk kids every week? What's it going to cost me to make sure that we are praying every night and, and we're going through these devotions? What is it going to cost me if I consider a, a Christian school? And, and to look at these and say, this is a great investment. Jesse made a huge investment because without Jesse's investment, David never happens. The, the parents are such an important part of that. And, and so my encouragement for you is to serve with your children. Wherever it happens to be, but specifically here at Crosswalk as well. Parents, do that. Be with your children. Teach them from a very young age. And then finally, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. 
Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. See, where we started is with Christ's service to us and, and, and him forgiving us and, and taking away our sins. And where this ends, it begins and ends with Christ. Because even in our service, especially in our service, it's not each one of us who is given glory and honor and praise, but, but it is our God. And so when we look at David, it's important for us, as, as we, we look at him going from zero to hero, that we don't look at David and say, David, if we say, David, what a great king and what a great person, we miss the point. Because the point is we look at David and we say, what a great God. What a great God is in Israel. Because Saul got it turned around. He wanted it to be what a great king. And when that happens, everything falls apart. And so it is that when we serve as well and we give to the Lord our best and we serve those around us, it's not so others look at us and say, what a great person you are, but rather that it directs them back to Christ. And they say about Crosswalk, not how great your pastors are, not how great your members are, but how great Jesus Christ is. What a great triune God you serve, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's that God that I want to follow and serve and come to know more as well. In the blank, you can write, God has given me gifts for service. God has given me gifts for service. I will use these gifts to give glory and honor to him, to God. And as we close, just, just this final thing, as we, we look at how we're serving God and, and going from zero to, her, zero to hero, this, this is not about a job that you aspire to at all. That's not what this hero thing is about. But rather, it's about gifts that God has given you that you faithfully use to serve him. And that's my prayer. As you go from here, that you will do that. And this is one last time I'm going to give a plug for Hashtag Church because if you don't know where to go from here today, I'm going to tell you that where you go is right down the patio and take a left. Uh, that is the next place to go. If you are you're like, I just don't know where to go, there are people there who will encourage you and help you and direct you and focus you towards Christ and your next step to take. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have given us a hero whose name is Jesus Christ. We thank you for the servant that he is and has been in our lives as he went to the cross to pay for our sin. And now, Lord, we look at our lives as, as a great privilege, a privilege to be able to serve him, uh, to serve you in our lives. And we thank you for the blessing that we can be to your church and those around us. Now, Lord, we ask that you would continue to give us strength Give us strength through music, uh, music with, with strong lyrics that point us to Christ, that give us comfort, that give us opportunity to praise, and, and direct us to you to give you glory and honor and praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
so, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. During this week, while I was preparing the message, I, I was taken back to a quote by Winston Churchill. Uh, he, he made the, or his, the quote, um, we make a living by what we get, but a life by what we give. And it, and it made me think of Christian service in that way, where as we're, we're doing that, it's, it's not about getting, it is about giving, and, and how the Lord does bring life to that uh, through, the, through our service that he uses us for his kingdom, and, and to thank him for that, and to foster that in our own lives and in our, in our congregation here at Crosswalk. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We'll see you on the patio.